0: Amen. What a very sobering thought that is. I know we've got a great God and a God of grace and mercy. One of these days He's coming again and when He does, it will be too late for those that have had an opportunity to be saved and shrugged it off. What a great, great truth. Have your Bible tonight, Luke chapter 16, verse number 1. Still looking at the parables of our Lord. Well, there's quite a few of them. I enjoy the parables. This is the parable of the unjust steward. When you find verse number 1 of Luke 16, if you're physically able to do so, I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet with me, please, out of respect of God's Word. We'll read the first 13 verses. And we'll read one of those verses, or two of those verses, I should say, for a text verse. Verse number 1, and he's. Excuse me, and he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship, I cannot dig to beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou to my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then said he unto another, How much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust the true riches." And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verses 1 and 2 are the text verses for tonight. We'll take the title of, that, of this message from there. the parable of the unjust steward, but let's read those two verses together. You ready? And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship for thou mayest to be no longer steward. I'm going to try to preach to you tonight the parable of the unjust steward. Father, we thank you tonight for allowing us to be able to come and Lord, have this time that we can be together in the house. You've been so good today. Lord, all through this day we have felt the hand of God upon us in our Sunday school hour and Lord, during the morning service. and Oh dear Lord, what a sweet time we've had in this service already. And now, Father, we've come to this portion of the service where the bread of life has been broken. And I have a great responsibility, yea, Lord, a great privilege, to stand before Thy people in Thy house and deliver a message from the Word of God. And, dear Jesus, as always, I am well aware of two things. I am well aware of my inability. And, oh, dear Lord, I am well aware of my unworthiness. And so I would ask you tonight that you would forgive me of my sin and cleanse me with the precious blood of Calvary. Holy Ghost, I pray you'd fill me with power that I can preach in such a manner that every person here would feel like this message is for them and them alone. May we leave here with a great determination to be faithful servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In looking through uh, these parables, each one of these things are given to us as a truth, uh, or as an example set alongside a truth. Now you need to remember that in a parable. A lot of times there's a lot of things in a parable, and sometimes people try to pull doctrine out of parables a parable is an illustration set alongside a doctrinal truth. And we find here an, an interesting parable. We find that Jesus now gives a parable to his disciples in the first 13 verses. He is giving this to his disciples. He's given that to the believers. Now, I can say tonight that he's given it to you and I. You're going to find the end of this, and, and we'll read this whole chapter. This whole chapter revolves around this parable in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And we'll look at it tonight as we, as we go through this. But you're going to find that this parable starts talking to you and I as Christians. It is a parable that's set along beside the truth of stewardship. It is a parable that the Lord gives. If we divide the characters of this out, then the Lord Jesus is a rich man. Christians are the stewards. Unfortunately, none of us are perfect, and we have wasted our Lord's goods. And we're going to have to give an account of our stewardship to the Lord. And then he gives some great truths about the stewardship. And so that's the first part of the message. And then we'll get into the second part of it here in verse 14 in a few minutes. So the first thing I want to do is look at stewardship. And so hold something here and open your Bible with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 1 through 5. If I'm going to understand stewardship as far as you and I are concerned, as I am concerned, if you're going to understand as far as you're concerned, each one of us have a Master and a Lord, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And We have a stewardship to Him. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, we begin to see this stewardship. And it says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Now I want you to notice that we are Christians... And we're to be accounted as stewards of the mysteries of God. You say, I'm not a preacher. It has nothing to do with being a preacher. It has to do with being a Christian. It has nothing to do with being a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or some other position you might think uh, as far as the local body of believers is concerned. It has to do with being a Christian. And so we are Christians and we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Now look at verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now he says, not only are we stewards, moreover, it is required that we be faithful. It is required that I be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is required that you be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, my mind, what does God expect out of me? God expects you to be faithful for what He's given you and where He's put you. And it is important that you and I understand this, this thing of stewardship, this doctrinal principle of stewardship, that as a child of God, you've been given something by God We're going to look at that, and then we go back to the text in Luke 16. We've been given some things. It is the mysteries of the gospel, and we are required by God to be faithful. Now, by the way, I don't want you to answer me out loud, but are you faithful in what God has given you? Are you being faithful? Have you been faithful? It is required by God that you and I be faithful stewards of what God has given us. Now go back to our text. Notice the very first part of verse 1. And he said, also unto his disciples. So he's talking to the disciples. He's talking about stewardship. So he's explaining to them that they must be faithful. Now, there's two parts to this. There's two things that he listens here, that he lists in this particular thing. Now, the steward, by the way, whenever he was judged, and when the Lord said to him, I'm going to remove your stewardship. You've had a position here. You were to give an account of these things, and you've been unfaithful. You wasted it. By the way, I want you to notice he didn't thieve it. You wasted it. Now, that's important. Go, go back if you look and, and at verse number 1. There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He didn't say he stole them. He said he wasted them. Now, that's important. You, you, you see, I can be in trouble with my Lord because I have wasted the things God given me. Sometimes we like to say, well, you know, I'm doing the best I can. Well, if I'm wasting what Jesus has given to me, that's a very poor excuse to him. If you're wasting what God has given to you, that is a very poor excuse. This steward was not a thief. This steward was, uh, he may have been lazy. He may have been where he, uh, he just didn't care. It doesn't say. It does say he wasted his Lord's goods. And then the Lord said, you're going to give an account of this, and I'm going to remove you from the stewardship. By the way, you you and I can't lose our salvation. i tell you what you can lose. You can lose where God's put you. You can do that. God's given you a position, a purpose, a service. You can waste what God's given to you. And the Lord said, I'm going to take account of you, and you're going to lose the stewardship. Now, I want you to notice what this guy did. It's an unusual parable. A matter of fact, there's not any other like it in, in all the Word of God. Now, we've read it, but I want to just hit the highlights. The steward then, verse 3, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do for my Lord taking away from me the stewardship? And he said, now, What am I going to do? And he says, I cannot dig. And what that means is, he, cannot, he says, I can't do manual labor. I don't know whether, it, I, I really don't think it had anything to do with laziness. I think rather it had to do with, he just thinks, man, I'm too old to do manual labor. I can't do it. I can't dig. I can't support myself and dig. And then he says, to his credit and his character, to beg I'm ashamed. He said, I'm a beg. I'm ashamed to beg. He said, what am I going to do? I, I'm, I'm losing my stewardship. What am I going to do? I've been, I've wasted what God has given me. And I, uh, what my, what my master's given me, and now he's taken me out of it. I, I can't dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. So what's what he does? Pay attention to it. Verse 4, I am resolved what to do. that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He says, i tell you what. When I'm put out of the stewardship, then then my lord's debtors are going to receive me into their houses, and we're going to be I'm going to be able to live. So what does he do? He's seen the thing. Verse five. So he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him, and then we see how he began to have the ability to lessen what they owed. He lessened all of them. He took away from them. He. And, and, and you know, just on the surface, it's like he's wasting more. But what, what is owed to him? Then he says, I tell you what, why don't you sit down and, and uh, the first one, he cut it in half. The next one, he cut it by 20%. And, and he's, he's cutting what they owe to his Lord. Now when he does that, I want you to notice in verse 8, And the Lord commended the unjust steward. That's always been a... Remember the first time I read that as a teenager, I thought, that's an an unusual statement. What do you mean he commended him? I mean, he's already going to kick him out of being a steward because he wasted his goods. And now he's come here and he has, looks like, wasted more of his goods. And the Lord commends him. What does he commend him for? What what is what what is he commended, or what is he patted on the back for, so to speak, and say, Well, that was that was pretty good, and that was pretty smart. What did he do? And go back and look at all of it there again in, in verse number eight. And the Lord commended the unjust servant because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children men. He says, I tell you what, he commended because he was wise now here's the truth this this guy was selfish he's he's selfish in in, in what he's doing he has an ulterior motive behind cutting their bills there's no doubt about that the un, the ulterior motive is is i'm going to uh, do this so that I, I can't dig and i'm ashamed to beg and If I do this, then they will receive me. And that's why he's doing it. But in the process of it, he's showing mercy. In the process of it, he's being merciful to some folks. There's a truth in that. You see, oftentimes you and I, when we get in trouble, the last thing we want to do is be merciful to somebody else. Sometimes you and I, we... we, we, we want the Lord's mercy, but we, we're not merciful to others. We've already looked at a parable where you remember the Lord forgave a man ten thousand talents and he went and found his fellow servant owed him a hundred pence and he caught him by the throat and he was an unmerciful servant. You remember that parable? And here you find this man is showing mercy. He's showing mercy. And the truth is when you show mercy to someone, you're going to find that it causes them to show grace to you. It's a wonderful truth. One, one of the things that you and I as Christians need to learn, and he says the children of this world are wiser than we are sometimes. You know, one of the, one of the things that I need to learn to do and you need to learn to do in life is just show mercy. Just need to learn to show mercy to people. I mean, you're going to have people, you live this life very long, you're going to have people wrong you, and you're going to have people give you a hard time, you're going to have people do all kinds of things, and and our human nature is just to get even and make them pay a full account. And here we find this guy has wisdom and that he shows mercy. Now keep that thought in mind. He has wisdom because of the mercy that he's shown. But now we're about to find something that seems a little strange. We've done read it. But just keep that thought of mercy in your mind. And I want you to notice the rest of this. Verse number 9 seems like an odd statement. And it says, And I say unto you, make yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. And when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. What an odd verse. And by the way, let me describe something. Mammon there is not Satan. Sometimes I've heard it preached that way, and I've heard people try to say that mammon is talking about... it's, It's not. It's talking about material things. talking about money. And he says, make to yourselves friends of the unrighteous mammon. That's material things. When you fail, they'll receive you into everlasting habitation. Now, it's a little bit of a tongue twister. You see what this unjust steward was doing was showing mercy in unrighteous mammon that he could win the favor of those people. That's what he was doing. And verse 9 is simply saying that you and I need to also use the unrighteous mammon that God has given to us so that we can have some folks received into an everlasting habitation. Now verse 10 makes that clear when it says this, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. The least thing that you and I have, as far as God is concerned, is what He's given to us physically. You understand that? The, all the world is not worth one soul. Whatever God has given to me physically, houses, lands, position, popularity, what the world craves is little. And it's not worth much as far as God's concerned. And whenever God gives you and I, and He gives each one of us these things, uh, it seems like the last uh, three or four years, I've just been well aware of, Of how God's blessed us. It is amazing how He has blessed our generation financially. I know a lot of people telling you that we're in trouble, but I listen. I'm I'm old enough to remember that. I'm just telling you that the the average person in this part of the world has a higher standard of living than the rich people did when I was a kid, and for sure when my parents grew up here, it's phenomenal. We have been blessed mightily with the unrighteous mammon. And that's the little things with God. I mean, He's going to burn all this up one of these days. And the question is, is Am I being faithful with what God has given me? Am I being faithful with what God has given me in things? Am I being, and by the way, There's one thing that every one of us has that we're equal in, and that is time. Am I being faithful to the Lord with my 24 hours every day that He's given me? Are you being faithful with it? Now, I'm not the judge of that. God's the judge of that. But the truth of the matter is, He has given us time and talents... And it's the unrighteous mammon, and our, those are little things in the sight of God. Why he spoke this world into existence, he's going to speak it out of existence. There's going to come a time that he declares time to be no more, because he exists outside of time. Time doesn't mean anything to God. A day is equal to a thousand years, a thousand years is equal to a day. Time means nothing to God. Seems like everything, we revolve around time, time, time. It's all important how much time we do this or what. And, and you, you know how little that matters to God? How little that matters. And, and so in, in, in verse 10, he says, Now listen, if you're faithful in the least, you'll be faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful in the least, you, you'll be unfaithful in much also. I've lived long enough now that I've seen people that were not faithful with the little things God's given And I've actually heard people say, well, I tell you what, whenever God gives me something bigger, I'll be faithful. No, you won't. If you can't be faithful in the little things God's given you, you certainly won't be faithful if He gave you something bigger. But He's not going to. Now, notice verse 11, and you'll notice what He says about this. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, He says, now listen, if you haven't been faithful in the things that God's given you, the material things, the time, the talents of this world, if you haven't been faithful in that, then here's the question. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? He says, do, do you think God's really going to commit true riches into your hands if, you have, if you're not faithful with the little things? If I can't be faithful with the physical things that God gives me, if I, if I can't be faithful to tithe on what God gives me, if I can't be faithful to to, to give an offering and tithe on what God's given me, you think God's going to give me something more important than that? If I can't be faithful to give God my time where that I'm serving Him on the Lord's day and I'm trying to win people to Christ and I'm trying to give God a A time during every day? Do you think God's going to give me something more valuable than that? That's the question He's asking. Jesus is saying to these disciples, Now listen, if you can't be faithful with the unrighteous mammon, do you really think I'm going to give you true riches? you really think I am? Do you really think that if you can't be faithful with the things you can see, touch, know it's there. Do you think I'm going to give you something that's true riches, grace, power of the Holy Ghost, peace? you think I'm going to give you that? It's a legitimate question. If I'm not faithful in the unrighteous mammon, I cannot expect God to give me true riches. There's the principle He's given them. It's a, it's a principle of stewardship. If I'm not faithful in the little things that God has given me, I cannot expect God to give me something greater. Now keep reading the text. We've done it, read it once, but I want you to go back to it and look at it. Verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? He says, now, and by the way, isn't that a tongue twister? Jesus is saying, listen, if you have not been faithful in what I own and I let you have it for a little while, do you think I'm going to give you something that's actually your own? Here's the great truth. I read something whenever I was raised on a farm, and I, farming is just in my blood, really. And I read something about ground, about the farming land when I was in high school. It really struck with me. And it said this, said, you never own the land. You're just a steward of it for a short period of time. God owns the land. There's a great truth in that. You see, whatever I have, I don't own it. You say, I, I own it, I've got a title up there at the, at the courthouse. <laughs> uh, you're not going to take that with you to the grave. You're just a steward of it. You say, well, I've worked hard for this, and it's mine. No, you're just a steward of it. One of these days, you're going to die, and somebody else will own it. They really won't own it. They'll just be a steward of it like you are, and, and you'll just be a steward of it. So everything we have, we're just stewards of. And the Lord says, now listen, if you've not been faithful in what I've given you that's mine... Do you really, really think, do you really think that you're going to get something that's yours? By the way, what is mine? What is yours? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to turn over just a minute and we'll we'll come back here. I want to show you something that's mine, something that's yours, and something that uh, is not going to be taken away from us, and something that... We're actually going to voluntarily give up one of these days, but I want to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. I want you to notice something. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's great truth. The only foundation for my soul, the only foundation for your soul, is the Lord Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. Virgin-born deity, came to this earth and lived without sin, died on Calvary, not for his own self, but for me and for you, and died in our place, and died for our sin, was buried and rose again by his own power made atonement for us. That's the foundation of my life, and that's the foundation of salvation, and that's the foundation. There's no other foundation can be laid. Oh, but now here's my stewardship. Look at the next verse. Now if any man build upon that foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, now there's my stewardship. I mean, I'm on this foundation, now I'm building. I got on this foundation October the 2nd, 1977, and I've been building on that foundation from that day till this. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Whatever day you got on the foundation, you're there, you're on Christ, and now your stewardship has started. You're building on that foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now what's going to happen to it? Next verse. Every man's works may be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Oh, my stewardship is going to be given account of and your stewardship is going to be given account of not to people not to churches but to our Lord. Someday I'll stand in front of Jesus and I will not answer for your stewardship and you will not answer for mine. I won't even have anything to say about yours nor yours about me. But I will answer for Mike and you will answer for you. And the Lord Jesus Christ will put my stewardship into the fire. And I'm afraid the next verse is going to be indicative of what happens to a lot of our things. Notice what it says. If any man's work abide... Which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now I want you to notice there's two types of works there's that type that burns up, and there's that type that has rewards. Now keep that in mind and go back to our text. When you go back to our text in verse number 12, verse 11 and 12, if Therefore you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to you the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's who shall give you that which is your own. You see, if I've been faithful in what God has given me, If you've been faithful in what God has given you, you're producing some gold, silver, precious stones. And one of these days, you'll be given something that's yours because of your faithfulness in your stewardship. But if you've been unfaithful, it'll burn up. Still saved, according to verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 3. You just didn't get anything from your stewardship. And by the way, that's what this is talking about. I'm going to stand in front of Jesus someday and give an account for my stewardship. You're going to stand in front of Jesus give an account for your stewardship. What well, you've done, what God's given you, whether you're serving God or serving yourself, whether you're doing what you're doing to promote the kingdom of Christ and lead men, women, boys and girls to Christ, or whether you're doing what you do to satisfy your own flesh. I will. You will. And the best we can do, we're, un- we're unjust stewards. We've wasted our Lord's goods. I'm thinking on this message, I'm going to think how many years I've been saved and how many years I've wasted at times. How many days I've wasted the time God's given me. Sometimes I've wasted the resources that God's put in my hand on things that were selfish and self-centered and had nothing to do with anything except mine. I've wasted it. Wasted it. One of these days I'll give an account of that. I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed of it. You see, that's what these first thirteen verses mean. That's what it's all about. Jesus is giving this parable of stewardship to you and I. And I have got to be faithful with what God has given me. The possessions, the time, the talent. He didn't give it to me for me just to waste on me. He gave it to me to promote the kingdom of Christ. The same with all of us. And so as we look at this, we find that he's teaching this principle. And in verse 13, he lines it out and he says, no servant can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He said it's impossibility for you as a child of God to serve mammon, material things, and God. Now we've seen this last week. I hold that, go back to chapter 12 and verse 34. How, what determines Whether I'm doing it or not. It was the end of what we said last week. Look at verse 34 of Luke chapter 12. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is in my heart? That determines, by the way, verse 13. You know what, what determines whether I'm serving Christ or not? Is if everything I'm doing, I'm doing to serve Him, or if I'm doing it for Mike. If I'm doing it for my enjoyment, if I'm doing it for my pleasure... If I'm doing it because, and by the way, that, that applies to everything. My goodness, what am I preaching for tonight? If I'm preaching because I enjoy it? By the way, I do enjoy it. I didn't think I would when God called me. Matter of fact, that's a dangerous thing to get to where you're doing the works of God for your own pleasure. Now, y'all to enjoy it. Y'all to get peace out of it, satisfaction, but you ought to do it because you love the Lord and because that's what He commands you to do and because you're trying to see people saved and trying to see the discouraged, encouraged, the backslidden, reclaimed, because you're trying to promote Jesus that He can have the preeminence in all things. It ought not to be that you and I will have the preeminence, that you and I would be lifted up. It ought to be that Christ is lifted up. And so there's a truth here. I've either got my heart that I'm serving God tonight or I'm serving the unrighteous mammon. Boy, Jesus said that. It's great truth. I need to examine my heart. You need to examine your heart. Now when he said that to his disciples, the Sanhedrin heard it. Pharisees heard it. And look at their reaction in verse number 14. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things And they derided him. Now I want you to get the picture. Jesus is really not preaching to these Pharisees. He's trying to encourage his own disciples about putting him first. Not second or third, or if you've got time, but first. And he's teaching them to have the heart that's the right heart. And when he gets done, these fellows that are on the outside, they make fun of it. And they dread him. They mock him. And now, he's going to turn the stewardship to them. And you're going to notice something in the verses 15 through 18, where he deals with the stewardship that they have. By the way, do you realize that every lost person in all the world, there is something that's put before them that they're going to be judged on one day of what they did with their stewardship? And that's what this whole, the rest of this chapter is about. Look, if you will, in verse 15, "...and he said unto them..." Now he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to these lost people. They've derided him about the stewardship. He's now about to bring the stewardship full circle to them. "...and he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men..." Is an abomination in the sight of God. He says, Hey, I know what's in your heart. You've got yourself lifted up. You're justifying yourself in front of men, and people are patting you on the back, telling you how good you are. But what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's a a huge warning. I keep reading. he's, He's taking them right where they live. Verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. He said, I'm going to tell you, he said, we, all we had, all you had, was the law and the prophets from Moses until John. And John <laughs> begins to open up the prophecy of the kingdom of God, and thousands of people tried to press into it. Next verse. Verse 17 It's easier for heaven and earth to pass. And one tittle of the law fell. He says, you know something? You people despise John. You had John beheaded. You act like that you're upholding the law and you're not upholding the law and heaven and earth going to pass away and the word of God is going to remain and you're going to have the word of God. And the word of God is what you're going to be held accountable to. And he chooses one of their sins that they're all the time tacking him on. And notice in verse 18, Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committh adultery, and whosoever marrieth her is put away from her husband commit adultery. He now deals with infidelity and adultery. And it's always interesting to me that the Pharisees are bringing that up. And so he deals with, you know what he's saying? He's saying, now listen, I, the law is going to remain. You think it's funny and you've derided me over being a steward But that law is what you're going to be held accountable to. Now, I'm going to read the next part. I'm not going to say a whole lot about the next part because a lot of times we pull it out, but it's stewardship, and I'll prove it to you in the end of it. We we often use this as a great truth. It's not a parable because there's a certain rich man. It's not a parable. And there's a certain beggar. We know his name is Lazarus. This is an account of someone. So now he is dealing with their stewardship, and I want you to notice it, I want you to notice it. There was a certain rich man, which with clothed in purple and fine linen, who fired sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and said, Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things Now he is comforted, and they are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren. They may testify unto them that they also, lest they also come in this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have... Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, "Nay, father Abraham, but if one went them from the dead, they will repent." And he said to them, "If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead." Whenever you read that phrase, Moses and the prophets, Moses is the Pentateuch—Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy—and the prophets. Are the other thirty-four books of the Old Testament written by the prophets? And I want you to notice that Jesus said, You know what the you these lost people, their stewardship is? Is whether or not they listened to the word of God. Notice, he says, Send somebody from the dead, they'll repent. He says, oh, if they don't hear the word of God, they wouldn't repent, though one went from the dead. You see, the stewardship in this particular part of Luke 16 has now changed. The first 13 verses deal with you and I. I'm going to give a stewardship of what I have built upon my foundation from the time that I got saved, and so were you. If it all burns up, I'm still saved. I just don't have anything that God gave me because I was selfish and self-centered and Served Mike. When those Pharisees derided him, he then turned to their stewardship. You see, lost people, sometimes they think that all their works and what they do is going to do them some good. doesn't do them any good at all. And Jesus just sort of went over their works. And he went straight to the point of what they do with the Word of God. You see, here's the great truth. Everybody that's saved... You're saved because the Word of God spoke to your heart and you surrendered to the Word of God. Whether it was a message somebody preached or somebody testifying to you, you picked up a gospel track and it had the Word of God in it. The Word of God spoke to your heart and you repented simply from the Word of God. You know what lost people do that reject that? They won't hear the Word of God. That rich man said, no, they won't hear the Word of God. They'll hear something supernatural. Somebody rising from the dead. They'll get saved if they hear that. And Jesus says, nope, nope. The way I deal stewardship. with stewardship. Every man and every woman that's ever born that never trusts me. At the great white throne judgment, he'll open the books and he'll take them back to the time they heard the Word of God and they refused repent. There's a truth in that. There's a truth in that. So Luke 16 is a whole chapter on stewardship. starts with my stewardship, your stewardship if you're saved. Ends with the stewardship of the Word of God with the lost. What are they going to do with the Word of God? By the way, that is why you and I just need to be given the Bible to lost people. People say, how are we going to see people saved? Give them the Word of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharpening a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder of, soul, of joints and marrow, discerning with thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is what gets them. Not my thinking and not my whatever I might come up with, but the Word of God. Somehow or another we forget that's their stewardship. What are they doing with the Word of God? They're either believing it or rejecting it. And that will be what condemns them because they rejected the message of the Messiah from Genesis to Revelation. Oh, we have the parable of the unjust steward. Best I can do, I'm unjust, and I wish I could. I wish I didn't have a lot of things I'm ashamed of. The older I get, I just want to try to serve him every day. By the way, you ought to decide that. So you're going to put him first. You won't give an account of you. You won't give an account of Mike, and I won't give an account of you. We'll give an account of ourselves. It ought to break our hearts that the lost are just going to give an account of the stewardship of the Word of God that was put in their possession. And what they did with it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I appreciate you being here tonight.